Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hi, and a huge welcome from me, Teresa Wheatley. I'm Head of Education and Marketing here at FitPro, and we have a fascinating one for you today. We're going to be looking at the link between stress and back pain. We're joined again by Justin Price after his hugely informative and super popular podcast, which was how to design successful corrective exercise programs. Um, and, and we thought that this would be an amazing topic that would certainly hit home with all of you. Justin is the creator of the Biomechanics Method Corrective Exercise Specialist course. It is the highest rated specialty certification in the fitness industry with trained specialists in over 70 countries. And yep, we host his education on the FitPro platform. Justin is a leading expert in musculoskeletal assessment and corrective exercise. And today he is going to explain how stress causes back pain, how you can help your clients troubled by this. And he's going to give you some specific exercise recommendations and, you know, look at the bigger picture, help you understand the impact of stress and how it affects the whole system. Justin, I'm super excited you're here. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Teresa. It's uh, nice to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit about this topic with you guys. Amazing. And we know this is very close to home for many of us, so I'm going to hit you with the first question, Justin. The first obvious one is, how on earth does stress cause back pain? Well, it's a, it's a great question, but it, the answer is quite simple, really. Um, stress, we all know, creates a fight, flight or freeze response in the body. We know this just from watching animals, don't we? We know that if our dog or cat is scared, they you know, run or they freeze, they tuck their tail under um, or they, you know, they fight. They want to uh, they grit their teeth. They want to fight whatever they think is stressing them out or going to attack them. Humans do the same thing. We have fight, flight or freeze responses and this can lead to back pain. For example, we all know uh, when we see someone stressed, you know, someone let's say is coming in for a session with us, a personal training session, and we know they're stressed because their shoulders are up, they're rounded, they're gritting their teeth, their arms are across their body, kind of protecting, they may be crossing their arms. Those are the same kind of responses you'll see in your, uh, you know, your dog or your cat or other animals. We're, they're trying to protect ourselves from what we believe is a stressor. And it doesn't even need to be a real stressor. You know, we don't need to have someone who's tried to mug us in the street. It needs to be a stressor that is that we perceive as a stressor. You know, it can be a real stressor such as a mugger in the street or, you know, a, a tiger trying to attack us. But anything we perceive as a stress can create those responses in the body. We may have had an argument with a family member. We may uh, not uh, have, you know, we may have problems at work. Whatever is causing the stress will create that physical manifestation of a fight, flight, or freeze response in the body. Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's look at that, you know, that excessive rounding of the shoulders. That tips our center of gravity forward because, you know, our upper back is rounded forward. 
when we round our upper back forward, our head juts forward, which is called a forward head, and we grit our teeth. So now our whole center of gravity is forward of where it should be. Our head, for example, when it moves one inch forward of optimal alignment, doubles the effective weight of the head to the body. So you can imagine if our shoulders are rounded and obviously our neck uh, attaches to our upper back and then our head attaches to our neck. So that rounding of the upper back causes the head to move forward. Now all that weight has to be held up by something. And that is the lower, lower back. So our lower back now acts like the bottom of a crane trying to hold up our body when we adapt uh, or get into that stressed postural position. Mm -hmm. Now that's typically a freeze uh, response, that rounding of the upper back, um, or if, you know, when, we're, when we're exposed to something that's scary or stressful, we, we do those uh, responses. But when we uh, you know, want to fight or flight, we actually arch our lower back because we're, it's those, those stiffening of those lower back muscles prepares us for, for fight and flight, doesn't it? You imagine if uh, an animal wants to attack, they're going to grit their teeth, they're going to arch their back, they're going to get ready to, um, to move and perform and do whatever they need to do. So first of all, you've got the upper back rounding forward and the head going forward, which creates stress to the lower back. Then you've got this fight or flight response, which is the stiffening and tightening of those lower back muscles in preparation for you know, fighting whatever is stressing you out. So that can create lower back stress as well. The problem is when you arch your lower back, your pelvis will rotate forward. It's called an anterior pelvic tilt because obviously as you arch your lower back, that moves the sacrum back and rotates the pelvis down. That then affects the position of the hip socket. It moves the knees in towards the midline of the body. And that's also, you'll see that in animals, when they tuck their tail under when they're stressed, that is to protect their genitalia because that's obviously a part of the body that is hard to protect and they need to protect that. We do the same by kind of being knock-kneed and tilting our pelvis down at the front. We are in effect protecting our genitalia. And I know that sounds weird, but when we are stressed, yep. this is something that we've learned over you know, millions of years, it's to protect ourselves. That rounding of the upper back is a stress response, but it protects our organs, doesn't it? Because it makes us smaller. Tilting our pelvis forward and knocking our knees together protects our genitalia. And then that obviously disrupts the position of the feet. It rotates the tibia and fibula, or the shin bones in, and our ankles collapse and our feet overpronate. So stress causes the whole body to collapse and create responses that lead to, you know, musculoskeletal changes and joint position, which creates myofascial tension and so forth. So it's not just the lower back that's affected. Obviously, we feel the lower back because there's a lot of nerves in the lower back and any muscular tension there. Um, is compounded. That's why we also feel stress in the neck more than other places. But that's um, so, yeah, obviously stress causes back pain, but it disrupts uh, and causes problems throughout the rest of the body. And then one thing I want you to also think about is that pain, you know, is a great distractor from negative emotions. And let me explain what that means. Let's say we've got in a fight with someone at work and we want to kill them, basically. You know, we're frustrated, we've had yep. enough and we really want to kill them. Well, we can't kill them, obviously, because uh, our job prospects wouldn't be good for the future. So what happens is we, that pain, let's say we've got a little back tension, a little neck tension, we, our nervous system actually makes that stronger because now the pain overrides the negative emotions we're feeling because those negative emotions are very, very strong. And we know we can't kill someone in today's society. So it's easier to say, I've got 
back pain is killing me and it's very very intense because that intense pain helps you just dis helps distract you from those other negative emotions that you simply just can't deal with so there's these physical responses that you have to um, stress that cause back pain and then these these ways of getting away from negative emotions that are you know stressful and that is the distractor that we create by elevating the pain that we do have wow i it's a really funny thing isn't it because in in our society it's almost like stress is often worn like a, a badge of honor you know um if you're working hard you're you're stressed it's almost like people sort of celebrating that and exhausting the body and I, you know i i think that it's just an interesting one that we need a certain amount of stress in our lives don't we to sort of motivate us but it's 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 working out not to um like i say wearing that badge of honor of stress have you got any thoughts on that of what is a good level of stress in the body is there one well of course i mean stress it helps us achieve things i mean humans mm -hmm. typically i mean humans have achieved a lot and it's typically because of stress isn't it we're motivated by either to achieve things it's usually <coughs> excuse me as a result of feeling you know inadequate so we with that motivator of feeling inadequate is a very it's stress you know we are stressed that we feel inadequate so we motivate ourselves to do things but there are a lot of negative stresses um you know such as people who don't uh you know um respect our boundaries that you know such as family co-workers and so forth or there are real stresses such as you know financial stresses and so forth and those things when they get too great um do cause you know physical pain they cause us a lot of other uh physical manifestations such as you know stomach problems headaches skin issues nerve pain or you know sleep disruption all sorts of things and i'll talk about those uh, once we get through back pain because i want to make sure we you know dis discuss back pain before i get into these other health issues awesome. but yeah. but stress yeah stress when it is no longer a motivator when it is you know when you've reached your terminal uh limit and you'll find that uh that happens more and more quickly the more you do try to push the limit uh, that's not good and you need to be aware of that when you're reaching that you know when you're full almost and you're like hey stress is now about to cause me problems and you need to try to be aware of that before it does turn into back pain and these other physical issues sure sure so what can um, personal trainers and fitness professionals do that's actually within their scope of practice to then help people alleviate the back pain that they're getting as a result of the stress you're talking about as yeah exactly because that's that's the key isn't it we mm -hmm. as personal trainers and fitness professionals need to stay within our scope of practice so, you know we're not psychologists or psychotherapists we are exercise professionals but if we understand how stress can lead to musculoskeletal problems we can educate our clients about the link between stress and these problems because educating people helps decrease their anxiety when you are don't let, let's say you're just lying there at night and you hear a funny noise outside you start creating all these scenarios in your head don't you like oh is someone trying to break in is that person got a gun are they going to kill me and now all of a sudden you've made what was just a noise maybe a cat you know outside you've turned into something terrible and that's what happens when people get back pain is they start getting a bit of back pain and then they think oh what is wrong with me and then they might get some misinformation online about or maybe not misinformation but typically the online sort of 
information we get is very negative. You know, oh, you've got a herniated disc, you've got, yep. uh, you know, some crazy disease that needs to be treated. And now you start to panic because you're thinking, what was the event which started out as just a bit of stress, you know, like a bad conversation with family member or something, you have turned that into now you've got, you know, something debilitating and you need surgery. So educating clients about the link between stress and back pain and other musculoskeletal problems is something that is definitely within our scope of practice. And it actually will help empower them and help them have hope that this is just a short-term problem. And if they address their stress, then their back pain and other and a bunch of other symptomatic things they're getting will go away. Yeah. And the key for you know helping educate clients is help them just identify those stresses that may be problematic at the time, and then to incorporate strategies that will reduce that stress. And obviously that comes by having great referrals to you know psychologists, maybe life coaches and so forth that can help clients reduce their stress with you know doing some. Uh, mental practices that will help change their habits and responses to stress. And then that will then help provide them relief. And then I'll share some exercises with you um, in a bit about, you know, things that you can do as a personal trainer within your scope of practice to actually ad address those real painful problems that people are having, like back pain, neck pain, and so forth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So are there specific exercises then that we can will help our clients to alleviate stress that that's then going to reduce that back pain definitely so um the first thing is learning to breathe correctly we all know that when we're stressed we start breathing more rapidly we start breathing in our upper you know sort of shrugging our shoulders trying to gasp in the air and that's a normal response because we're slightly panicked so we start having anxious breathing and now we lose the ability to breathe diaphragmatically. And when we breathe diaphragmatically, the diaphragm contracts and relaxes. So it helps, you know, it helps massage our organs as the diaphragm pushes down and increases blood supply to our organs. So that helps us relax. And also when we are breathing correctly, it actually can increase intra-abdominal pressure to protect our back pain, protect our backs if we're lifting heavy loads, like we're working out. Um, so air into our body, uh, with the aid of the diaphragm working correctly helps you know protect our back when we're working out lifting heavy loads and so forth so the first exercise you can do is teach your clients to breathe diaphragmatically mm -hmm. and all you do is lie your client on their back um, make sure uh, that their head is you know in a neutral alignment so they might need a little pillow or towel rolled up so their eyes are perpendicular to the ceiling have them bend their knees because obviously uh, when their legs are straight if they do have back pain putting their legs straight may arch their back excessively and it may increase their symptoms of back pain. Mm -hmm. So have them bend their knees or put their knees up on a chair so that they can have a very nice, relaxed lower back. And then just simply ask them to place uh, one hand or two hands just below the bottom of their rib cage and then see if they can just breathing in through their nose, allow their air to push their hand up. Don't have them use their abdominals to push their hand up. The, the, Diaphragm pushing down and the air going into the uh, lungs will actually allow the hand to be pushing up. And this may be difficult for clients to, to start with, but yeah. they'll get their hang of it. And they may want to do some heat first on the area just to relax their diaphragm, but just teaching them to breathe diaphragmatically. So in through the nose, out through the nose, just nice and easy. 
And then you can increase that by making that an exercise eventually, whether they can breathe in through their nose, hold it for one to two seconds, out through their nose, and then increasing it where the breath in might be two, three seconds, hold for two, three seconds, out for two, three seconds. Then they're actually increasing the strength of that activity. So it becomes an exercise so that when they're under stress in the future, there is muscle memory to make sure that they can continue to breathe diaphragmatically. Those can obviously be increased the times and so forth. And then you can incorporate that into exercise. But I would start with someone who is stressed or maybe comes in for their session and they've got lower back pain, they're stressed, starting with that simple diaphragmatic breathing. A thing that you can give clients to do at home for homework is heat. Yeah. So they can put heat on those areas that may have musculoskeletal tension as a result of stress. So we're talking about the upper back, neck and shoulders, across the diaphragm, the lower back, and even the hip flexors. Because obviously when you're stressed and you're mm -hmm. arching your lower back and you're pulling, you're basically trying to protect your genitalia, the hip flexors are pulling your upper leg towards your lumbar spine. Those hip flexors are getting tight. So you can place a heating pad on the hip flexors. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got the hip flexors, the lumbar spine, the diaphragm or the upper back and shoulders and neck. So that's a great area to use uh, for heat. And that would be a homework exercise. Um, some self myofascial release exercises, obviously addressing the upper back, encouraging thoracic extension. So using either two tennis balls, lying over two tennis balls to massage the thoracic erectors or even a foam roller to help encourage you know arching of the upper back rather than that rounding of the upper back but make sure you use these things gradually don't ever try to force these positions or new positions into someone's body who is stressed out yeah because if someone's stressed out they are that is a very legitimate uh response for the body to be in and the body's not going to want to give it up because it is protecting the body so you need to start simply that's why you start with breathing and heat and as people start to relax, then you incorporate self-myofascial release. Obviously, you can use uh, a Theracane, which is a self-massage yeah. device for the neck and upper shoulders. And then using a soft ball, you know, the, a ball used for the sport of softball or a baseball, lying on the stomach to massage the hip flexors. Uh, that will help as well. So all those areas that become tight and taut uh, as a response to stress. Um, and... Then the sort of the last thing, if a client doesn't really have, you know, major back pain, they might come in saying, oh, my back's a bit tired. I've had a very stressful week and they've warmed up appropriately and they're starting to feel better. Try to incorporate some play movements into their workouts or exercises that don't have them think so much, you know, like um, throwing a ball around, um, maybe doing some kickboxing or boxing, things that mimic play to get them out of their head and get them back to those instinctual responses that they had when they were a child before they had to had all these heavy burdens of life and stress and thinking about, you know, I've got to make money. I've got to buy a house. I've got to pay my mortgage. I've got to be the best husband or wife in the world. I've got to be fit. I've got to be 4% body fat, blah, blah, blah. You didn't have that when you're a child and the things you did when you're a child were play. So if you can incorporate those type of movements into someone's program, and they're going to feel a lot better. But obviously, like I said, make sure that it's gradual to get to that and make sure you have helped them feel better initially with the breathing exercises, the heat and the self-myofascial release. And you know what? I love the fact that you said it's sort of legitimate. A lot of the time we end up pretending we're, we're not stressed, even though we're displaying that and experiencing that. And um, so 
actually really like, I, I, you know, uh, the work that you do, you have this very permissive language, which is, you know, really important, isn't it? The communication you share with the client. And I was just wondering, um, you know, if you're working with a client and you sort of spot they're in that stressed state, which you say is completely legitimate, we don't know what's going on for them, you know, and it's how, how do you, like, for you, how do you broach that with your client? You know, because sometimes people are just not ready to say, you know, you gave the example, oh, I'm, my back's a bit tight and I'm, I've had a really stressful day. A lot of the time, clients are very reluctant to share that they are feeling stressed. So where do you go with your communication in that? That is a very, very good question. So the key is the way you approach effectively the very first session you have with a client. A lot of personal trainers and fitness professionals want to tell their clients how much they know from the very first time they meet them. You know, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to do this assessment. I'm going to find out all these problems. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just, when you first see a client, the very first thing you say and say, how can I help you? Because you're assuming that what you know is what your client wants. If you say, how can I help you? And each session subsequently say, hey, what's going on today? What can I yep. help you with? Instead of having this plan that you think you know what they want, allow an open-ended response from your client. And that builds so much trust and rapport with people and it allows them to open up a little bit. And then if they start to talk and they sort of go, oh, you know, I want to do this and this and this and this, which is all physical things, say, is there anything else going on? You know, how's your work life? How's family life? And just keep asking open-ended questions because that enables people to feel comfortable to broach a subject. If you say you look stressed, yeah. what's going on with your wife or whatever, or husband, or, you know, <laughs> did you lose your job? That's yeah. going to protect, that's going to encourage people to protect themselves further. It is extremely difficult and um, hard for people to actually own up to the sources of their stress because we're taught in today's society by social media and everything that we should all be perfect and we are none of us are perfect i've had incredible stress and all the aches and pains that go with it i'm sure you have teresa i'm sure everyone watching this has and yep. it is absolutely normal for people to have stress and to have physical manifestations of that stress because as i said at the beginning it is a fact of life that animals and we are an animal we protect from a stressor and we also, in today's society, do not want to appear weak or appear that we are so angry that we want to kill someone. So what happens is, or, you know, so angry that we, you know, whatever it is, so we go, it's going to be easier to have pain um, because pain is normal. I can say to someone, oh, my back's killing me. I don't think I can go to that uh, dinner party. Whereas really the real reason is I don't want to go to that back bank but sorry, I don't want to go to that party because that dickhead's there that I don't like. <laughs> so what happens is you say yes. you've got back pain, right? Mm -hmm. So it's okay to have stress and to and to allow people to share it with you. You just have to be very open and allow them to guide the conversation. And give them time. Exactly. Because a lot of time we fill <coughs> silences, don't we, for our clients? Because we have, like you say, an agenda plan an idea of how we can help them. So it's, it's just allowing them time, isn't it? And the only way you can help clients is by asking them because your client knows a lot more about how to help themselves than you do. You are a guide and you provide education and knowledge and 
motivation, but um, a client has come to see you for a reason. So if you don't shut up and listen to, to them, you'll never know what their underlying reason is. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So with, I know we said that we were going to, we've talked about stress with regards to back pain. Um, and you sort of implied a little bit earlier that we might cover um, some of the other um, things that stress can cause in the body. So can we talk about that? What are some of the other physical manifestations of stress that we as fitness professionals can actually help that client with? And, and actually, let's be honest, when people listen to this podcast, I mean, when, Justin, when you were talking about breathing, I reckon every single person listening to this started doing this very mindful breathing. You know, people who listen to this aren't just thinking of their clients. This is also going to hit home for themselves. It certainly will for me. So talk to me about how those, fit, you know, the stress can manifest itself physically in the body and, and, and maybe how we can help ourselves or our clients. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways that stress affects the body. Um, you know, there's so many physiological reactions. One of my favorites is, you know, IBS used to be such a popular thing. Or first, let's start with ulcers, right? Ulcers were massive. Everyone had ulcers until people realized, oh, stress can cause or contribute to ulcers. And then people, their education, all of a sudden, ulcers aren't as prevalent as they used to be about 20 years ago, are they? Because that education helped people realize, oh, this is not something I'm afflicted with. This is a result of the, yeah. you know, mental and emotional choices I'm making. That's the same with IBS, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. What I call IBS is I'm bloody stressed instead. Oh, I love it. Because, yeah. because yeah. obviously the gut, the gut activates when it believes when you're under stress, your brain needs sugar, right? Because it's saying, hey, I need you to work very, very hard brain and possibly body. I need you to be ready for the you know, fight I'm about to encounter. So your gut kicks in and says, okay, let's start working. Let's get some glucose to the brain. Yep. And so now, of course, your gut is going to be upset continually working. It never gets a chance to rest, does it? Yep. So IBS, which has had a lot of uh, media attention, uh, does and, and they are obviously pointing towards stress leading to IBS but the more we can educate clients about it then the easier it is for them to realize I don't have such a big problem this is going to offend many people but um, I'm going to say it anyway there our bodies are not as weak as we think we are we're not you know some of us do have intolerances you know to gluten and dairy and so forth but I guarantee you if you decrease your stress you will have a much greater tolerance to gluten and dairy and so forth. So please don't, when I say this, uh, you know, think that I'm saying to anyone, you don't have the problem because I can talk myself. I've gone on gluten-free diets, dairy-free diets, everything, but it, always I had the problems more when I was stressed by something else. And when I decreased the stress, I found that I was able to tolerate things to a much greater extent. Obviously, uh, headaches are a big thing too. Obviously, neck mm -hmm. tension, so, so migraines, um, and chronic headaches can result from stress. Skin issues, obviously our skin is an organ that gets inflamed when we uh, you know, have these fight or flight responses. So we can end up with hives, eczema and so forth. Nerve pain, carpal tunnel. Um, a lot of people get carpal tunnel and obviously that nerve originates from the neck. So any tension in the neck and shoulders, you know, the trapezius muscles, anyway, down through 
the arm, any tension on that on that nerve, um, you know, the median nerve um, can actually then cause symptoms of carpal tunnel. So we freak out. We think we've got carpal tunnel. We rush to a surgeon. We get carpal tunnel. Maybe if we had helped decrease our stress in the first place, some of that musculoskeletal tension would have gone away and we may have better enough to have avoided a surgery or some dramatic uh, thing we could have done. And I'm not saying to anyone, and I want to just repeat this again, that these, all these symptoms that people are having aren't, you know, they're not all caused by stress. No. But, but let's, say, let's say you do have a little bit of, uh, let's say you've got a herniated disc in your back. Your body, when it is stressed, is going to find that herniated disc before it finds, you know, the knee or before it finds the shoulder to cause pain there. The reason why is your nervous system has learned very from years of pain in your back that that is the quickest path to get a response, isn't it? Because it knows my brain, I need to distract from the stress. Oh, I know exactly how to do that. I'll go to the herniated disc. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that you don't have a herniated disc or you don't have carpal tunnel. What I'm saying is the stress triggers that response to get away from the stress and it knows very well your body and brain how to get to the Right. underlying problem you have so you may have that underlying problem but stress exacerbates it you know 100 to a thousand fold yes. um, and obviously frequent urination a lot of people uh, when they're stressed have to pee a lot more in the night that causes sleep disruption and any, any and stress in, in and of itself can cause sleep disruption and really the list just goes on and on and on you can link so many things to uh, stress exacerbating those problems and um, from the point of view of, um, well, I, I, let me be honest, I wrote something down here, which was something that a friend of mine said to me earlier, and it was that she was having migraines. And we were talking about that, that um, in a way, she almost uses it a bit as a bit of a barometer. Like when she gets her migraine, she goes, I'm doing too much. It's almost That's like... Great. You know, it's almost like recognizing, okay, my body's telling me this, you know, and, and, you know, when you were saying about the herniated disc, it's almost like, let's call it like a, an Achilles heel. It's like, go to that, you know, obvious place. But wouldn't it be lovely if we caught it, if we caught it before it happened, you know? Um, so it's, I think that is, no, I think that is the, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, please, Justin, go ahead. Go, go. That is the best thing. That's the greatest thing about our body is that it has so many barometers. And if we listen to them, and like your friend said, you know, it's telling me I've done too much. As humans, we don't like doing too much because when we do too much, it's, we don't want to do too much. What happens is we have senses of responsibility and obligation, right? So those senses of responsibility and obligation, uh, when you start to feel those those i've got to do this you'll you'll be you're already beyond it right the the minute you start to feel i have to do this like i have to go to this dinner party i have to uh call my mother i have to give this you know money to this person you've gone too far because humans want to i mean it's we're selfish we want to feel good and when we are doing things that we don't want to do which is by sense of obligation responsibility we've gone past it and like the more you go past it that's when you'll start to feel those physical manifestations which is your body saying hey what about me buddy 
Right. You know, you're doing all this stuff for other people. When are you going to do something for me? So I think you can catch it if you sense yourself, hey, uh, you know, should I do this? You know that you're sensing obligation and you're putting yourself last and everyone else first, okay. and yeah. you will get a physical manifestation of stress. Yeah. So have you got any like top tips to? I mean, oh God, this is a big question. I'm just thinking, um, you know, have you got any tips of people trying to avoid some of those, you know, long-term stresses? I, I know things go on in people's lives, but obviously you've given us some great examples of what you can do for homework, breathing, heat, and all those things. But is there anything that you could suggest that you found helpful for yourself maybe to keep stress? Definitely, myself and, cl and clients, because uh, uh, mm -hmm. the, the success you're going to get with yourself and with your clients is awareness and education. So whenever someone has a physical manifestation, like let's just talk to back pain, because that's what the topic of this is really mm -hmm. about is back pain. Write down what are recurring thoughts, like just have a journal, what recurring thoughts you are having throughout the day. Like it might be, you know, cropping up, you know, work or whatever it is, money problems, write them down. Yes. What wakes you up at night? Keep the journal beside the bed. So what's waking you up? Oh, it's that work thing again. And you'll start to see the theme of what is now underlying the back problem. And when you can identify that uh, underlying problem, you'll see, wow, that is, that's a lot more than I thought it was, to be honest. <laughs> I've now been thinking about that a hundred times it came into my head during the day. And then as you become more aware of it, you'll actually see that whenever you have back pain, like a, you know, like a sudden surge, oh, my back's killing me. You would have been having that thought immediately prior to experiencing the back pain because that, that thought that has now become so, you know, stressful to you, whatever it is about work or whatever, that, that thought is like, ah, your body says, don't worry, I'll save you. I'll give you some back pain instead. So awareness and teaching your clients that it's okay to be stressed and that that's not okay, but it's normal to be stressed and that that stress can lead to these physical manifestations. And then most definitely have referrals in place because you're not a psychologist, you're not a psychotherapist, you're not a life coach. Some of you may be life coaches. Um, you know, have those referrals in place so that you can firstly help educate clients that they're not broken that stress may be contributing or causing their problems. And that if they want to, you know, if it's got out of hand and they need help, then you're going to give a very good referral to them. Right, I love that. And I loved hearing you saying they're not broken. But I think sometimes when somebody's back, let's say they'd say a client might say, oh, my back's gone, you know? And it's, it's almost like something has broken, you know? And I really love the fact that saying, you know, you're not broken, it, that's, a, that's a really good thing. Because I think sometimes people feel like their body has let them down. But actually what we're hearing from you, Justin, is actually the body it can be a barometer. It can be an indicator of how things are. Sometimes it's actually protecting you, um, you know, but it's, it's trying to, yeah, educate ourselves um, and, you know, assisting our clients as, as best as we possibly can. Um, yeah, can I share one quick story please. with you? Because I think this will hit at home yeah. because sometimes it's hard to see how you can use this with clients. You know, someone like me is talking about this and you think, yeah, but you don't know what my clients are like. Well, mm -hmm. I do because I've worked with a lot of clients and this story, I think, is a good story. I was just thinking of, as you were saying this, Teresa, mm -hmm. 
I hadn't seen a client. She came in initially to see me with back pain and knee pain. I helped her. Uh, she got better. I hadn't seen her for two years. She called me and said, Justin, I'm going in for a, a cervical fusion, so a fusion of the neck uh, next week. I just want to see if there's anything you can do. And I hadn't seen her for two years. I said, yeah, come on in. And I got her in quickly because obviously I was concerned that she was going to go have the surgery. And um, I sat her down in the office and I said, hey, well, tell me what's going on. And she goes, well, I've got, you know, she pulled out all her MRIs and all the reports she had had and so forth. And obviously there was proof that there was something going on with the neck. So it made sense from a typical thing. Hey, you need to uh, have surgery to fix this problem. But I just said, hey, look, let's just put that to the side for a second. Let's just talk about what's going on. She said, no, no, give me some exercise. I want some exercise to fix this and see if I can fix it over the weekend because I don't want to have the surgery. I said, no, just tell me what's going on. So we started talking and uh, it turned out that her father had died and she was the executor of the will, but her sister uh, and her just didn't get along at all. So now the sister was suing her over the oh. estate and blah, 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 blah. And we talked about it and we came up together. She actually came up with the strategies to help address this. And one of the great things she said to me, which she identified, and I still use this to this day, mm -hmm. is whenever she... Uh, is thinking about her sister or her sister calls her or sends her a nasty email is to stay in her own lane. Now, when you're driving and you see someone driving crazy on the lane beside you or on going the other way down the, uh, the road, who cares, right? Stay in your own lane, pay attention to what's happening in your life and make uh, you know, decisions about how you're driving and stay in your own lane. And it was one session we had with her and we just created some you know, homework for her to do mentally. We didn't actually come up with any exercises that day. And she called me the next week and she had canceled her surgery. And uh, six months later, called me and said, I'm absolutely fine. Oh, Justin, that's lovely. That's so nice, isn't it? So everyone can do that yeah. just by helping educate clients, get them to identify their underlying issues. I'm not saying that will fix everything for yes. everyone, but it is part of being a good professional and corrective exercise. You need to help people identify yes. and understand the stress and stress reduction techniques are part of being a successful corrective exercise specialist yeah. and a good a fitness professional. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that's another fascinating podcast. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Loads. I've, been, I've been doing nice deep breathing. And <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm like thinking, yeah, there's a few things I could put in my journal. <laughs> So thank you. Um, would you just please um, tell the listeners um, briefly just about your um, amazing education, please? Of course, yeah. So uh, the biomechanics method is consists of five modules. So the first module, you'll learn how to um, assess clients, so to understand where their musculoskeletal deviations lie. Um, and this uh, will help you, obviously, then understand what muscles and movements may be causing or contributing uh, to those problems. So that's module two. Module three then taught, teaches you about the basics of corrective exercise, what types of corrective exercise are most effective for what issues and so forth. Module four uh, provides you with a complete corrective exercise library to address those issues you've found. And then module five, which is called corrective exercise program design, teaches you how to put it all together. And most importantly, because this is what we covered in this podcast, how to communicate effectively with clients so that they get it, understand the underlying reasons why they're actually performing their exercises to address those issues that 
you've helped them identify because then that helps them adhere to their programs and get better in the long run. You can obviously purchase the modules individually if you want to do it, you know, in a sort of step-by-step -step process, or you can buy the uh, whole thing, which is the biomechanics method corrective exercise specialist certification all at once, um, which is available on the FitPro website. It certainly is. And, you know, I want to say thank, obviously I want to say thank you for everything that you've provided for all of us, but um, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the, um, Sort of content that you provide us in the FitPro community. There's so much that you're doing on our blogs, uh, your contribution in, in the magazine and stuff. So from a personal point of view, because obviously um, that's really important to me, I, I learn a lot, a lot through reading, um, reading it myself. Um, but I just wanted to give you a, a shout out um, and to let people know that you're doing all that contribution and there's a lot of stuff that you provide free to educate, inspire, and inform our community. So a massive thank you for doing Oh, it's that my pleasure. Time. It's my pleasure. I learned just as much uh, putting it together. So um, I appreciate <laughs> it very, very much. <laughs> Justin, um, should we sign off for the podcast? Uh, what I'll Sounds do, good. Yeah, I'll sign off first, and then you can say your hurrahs as well. So obviously, thank you, FitPro community, to listening to another podcast. Um, we look forward to seeing you very, very soon, or um, in the new year, or when, whenever this is going to be um, uh, set live. Please look out for Justin's other um, podcast. It was another fascinating one. I'm sure we're going to be hearing from him again very, very soon. Justin, over to you to say your goodbyes. Thank you, Teresa, and thank you, everyone, for attending. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all next time. And thank you for everything you do to help clients feel and function better every day. I really appreciate it. For more information about FitPro Education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy the today's podcast and see you next time.